Good afternoon, listeners. Happy Thursday, and welcome back to the Under the Scope podcast where we discuss music. I'm your host, Will Brost, and calling in, as always, my good friend, Patrick Anderson. How are you today? I'm doing pretty great today. That's fantastic. I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Good day. Yes, yes, it's been a, been a good day for me as well. I'm, I feel like I say this every time lately, but I am particularly excited about this episode of the Under the Scope podcast. We've got four very fantastic artists uh, to talk about, interesting albums, um, and it's going to be our last podcast in this format of 2020. Uh, after this episode, we'll be shifting over into end-of-year content, um, which sounds early, but I did see an album of the year list by a publication this week. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Already, I did. I and I wish I could remember who it was. Um, but yep, here we are. We're you know, list season is uh, quickly approaching, and in yep. some cases already here. So, um, I mean, we still have a month and a half, but whatever, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. That is that is surprising that people. Uh, release it this that early because it's kind of like I mean you still have a couple months to I don't know we don't do it that way so right yeah right like yeah. we we definitely do it before December thirty first but I don't think we're as egregious as a you know other list makers are so yeah um anyway but yes that's, that's who we are yeah that's 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 precisely right um. Today, though, we are talking about the latest records from Ariana Grande, Gorillaz, Clipping, and 10trix.never. Um, Patrick, where would you like to begin? Do you have a pattern this time around? Yeah, it's a little boring, but... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, they can't all be winners. <laughs> <laughs> This one is, uh, especially since I think of it literally like two minutes before we start the podcast. We we fly by the seat of our pants on this pod. Yep. A lot, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is uh, uh, alphabetical order this week. By artist? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, what, oh, you mean by, by album. Okay. <laughs> yeah, by artist. By artist. Okay. And so is, I mean, we're already at a crossroads here. Is Ariana yeah. <laughs> Grande an A or a G? She's an A. She's an A. Okay, okay. All right, so we're doing alphabetical by first name when appropriate, and uh, mm -hmm. gotcha, which I guess is only her case. So let's get into it. Uh, Ariana Grande with Positions. Mm -hmm. um, Ariana Grande, uh, let's see here, background. Uh, she was the star of the Nickelodeon television series Victorious. Uh, right, yeah. Positions is her sixth studio album. Um, it currently has a Metacritic rating of 71 out of 100, uh, which isn't bad per se, but it is her lowest score since My Everything back in 2014. Check this one out. Hmm. Patrick, what is your position on this album? All right. Uh... <laughs> pretty good not bad I, I i don't mind that one thanks thank you thank you <laughs> yeah um okay let me regroup here yeah i <laughs> it's hard for me to like know how to respond to that after you do that because it's like 
<laughs> you just how can I be serious? You can't, and that's. <laughs> oh. My position is that <laughs> I feel very okay about it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good, but I think we're close to the same boat here. Yeah, it's. Um, I I haven't like I've been in this way with Ariana Grande for like since I've started listening to any of her albums too, where I'm like intrigued by her. And I think that she has a lot of like cool style and confidence and her voice is like fantastic, but Mm -hmm. I'm never really impressed after I get done listening to an album of hers. And I like this album. It has its own distinct characteristics to it that I really like. but yeah, it's kind of just more of the same of what um, I've, I've been getting from her before. Yeah, I think um, as opposed to other popular pop artists like Lady Gaga, who has her own sort of interesting lane, and Taylor Swift, who I think has an interesting lane she's carved in her own right, Ariana Grande to me, like you said, I lo- like she has a great voice, a uh, lot of like personality, and um, but it, it, I find her music blander then kind of you know it, it's sort of what i think of when i think of pop music which is to her credit yeah. in a way but also just sort of um can speak to the generic quality of some of the songs on her records um so yeah. ultimately it's just a, it's a pretty straightforward standard pop album uh for the most part in my opinion i mean i think that she's got like a really cool style and it is very distinct to her and her brand is so unique too but like it's um it's kind of one-dimensional you know what i mean it's a lot of it's a lot of flash and a lot of like uh pizzazz and stuff but it's it's fairly one-dimensional yeah yeah but uh, um that said there aren't a lot of songs here that i'm super down on i think for the most part every song on here is at worst not bad and there are a few songs that i think are actually pretty good um so i do like this album for the most part i do like her the instrumental direction she took here there's a lot of violins and strings all throughout the record um plucky strings as well as more dramatic strings at certain times just really killing the violin game. <laughs> and um, yeah. I thought that was a, a pretty wise uh, decision. I loved uh, the strings, and I thought that like, the way that she incorporated them um, was really, really well done. And, like It's plucky at points when it needs to be kind of percussive, and it's really lavish and beautiful when it needs to be, and it's, like, it also can be really subtle and even like pair with her voice in really interesting ways. So... Um, that I'm like all sold on. Like the yes. production on this is pretty solid, but um, I think that like the subject matter throughout gets a little bit like it, it starts to lessen mm. some of the values of the production and like um, just the overall writing is kind of spotty. Yeah, and and to to that, uh, the content on this record is uh often very sexual very explicitly sexual in mm-hmm. certain instances uh which i'm i'm fine with of course but more, more so than we've heard from her in the past for sure absolutely especially on a song like 34 35 which is yeah i mean 
the the song title makes my eyes roll a little bit but the <laughs> the actual lyrics are like i was i was astounded honestly at how overtly sexual uh, the content was not that that's a bad yeah. thing or anything i, I was just kind of caught off guard um i liked yeah i, I liked uh, the way she embraced it too i thought that like mm-hmm. i thought the way that she approaches that and like embraces her own sexuality on this is really cool and like captured really well um it was kind of cool to hear her just like um and kind of breaking out of the shell that that she's been kind of dancing around i guess yeah in recent years with her music um i just think that like at times it really works and then at other times it just kind of sounds like a very average um kind of sex pop track yeah and there i mean female pop artists having sexual songs isn't anything new but i'm glad we seem to be in this moment yeah. where and and criticisms of it too. That it, as exactly, and I was gonna spin that um, or get to that where I think the criticisms are, I mean they're still there, but I think it's becoming more generally accepted by the public um, to have these like yeah. overtly oh, yeah. sexual songs. I, I think people are beginning to finally accept women's sexuality <laughs> you know um or or at least we seem to be going for a low bar i well and that's the thing like ultimately this is yeah. something we should have fully accepted by now as a society but um i yeah. mean and we're still not even fully there yet it just feels like we're getting maybe inching a little bit closer to that um i mean like cardi b and megan the stallion i mean these are some yeah. of the most overtly sexual musicians out there and they're massively popular and have a ton of fans and um you know the people that criticize them are exactly the people you expect to criticize them but um i think the needle is moving forward i suppose my i don't want to call this an issue but on this record this is a the the safe and sterile nature of the record doesn't match the sexual content i guess is um where it kind of falls flat for me. Um, edgeless is a word that kept coming to mind. Like, it, it's super weird. Like, it's it's a pretty saccharine album. Yeah. I think instrumentally, I guess sonically is what I'm getting at here. Um, but I, I don't know. Again, like Megan the Stallion, I like how the, the raunchiness kind of comes in the instrumentals and the just the general aesthetic as well. Um, and so I don't I don't know I, I don't yeah, know if I'm I, even wording that I properly see what you're but saying. yeah yeah I, I actually um, I think that the way that the instrumentation is kind of washed out like what you're saying is like a pretty good thing about the album mm-hmm. um, I thought that it added like this romantic element to it um, that is like very intimate and. Um, paired with like the subject matter is like it adds some like really cool um, elements to to that style. I just I thought that the pairing worked pretty well together. Oh, okay. I think that what what turned me off um, to uh, to some degree on on the tracks is just kind of like how average the melodies were at points, like half thought out. Some of the lyrical choices were um, some of Ariana's like. Uh, melodic moments when she's singing seem a little bit like almost like improvised but like not in a good way mm. uh, <laughs> so 
I, I think, yeah, some of the choices melodically, um, there's a lot of inconsistencies throughout there that don't match up uh, for me as well. And, yeah, I, the production is kind of a saving grace for this. Um, I don't want to take anything away from Ariana's like performance because mm. tracks like 34, 35, and the uh, title track specifically, I love the title track. Very good. I agree um, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those kind of tracks, like she, she shines. She's like, she shows why she is the performer she is. Um, but I think that like, there's a lot of, a lot of instances of just kind of playing it safe. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of a shame. And I think that's ultimately what I was maybe trying to say earlier. Just it, this record plays it safe too often for me. Um, given the content that doesn't play it safe, you know? Yeah. Um, I will say, though, uh, there are a few instances where she sort of deviates from the general aesthetic of this album um, that turn out great, I think. Uh, Motive, I thought, was a really good hip-house song. Um, not a mm-hmm. direction she particularly goes in uh, frequently, but I thought this this was one of my favorite songs on the record. Um, a song like Safety Net, I thought, was good. Maybe just a, a bit stylistically different than what i expect from ariana grande but that, i thought right. that song is pretty good and as always we're pro ty yeah. dollar sign on this podcast um yeah we love ty dollar sign <laughs> for whatever reason um and i still haven't well, even heard his new album yet but yeah i was gonna say we specifically love ty dollar sign features <laughs> <laughs> and his new album is called featuring ty dollar sign so <laughs> i mean it should be right up our alley i don't know i'm gonna He's, add it to my yeah. list um I guess He's there, in on the bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> there, there isn't, frankly, a ton more that I have to say about the record itself, though I did want to ask you a question, and this isn't critical of the album or anything, but in a normal year, this is the kind of album we would hear played to death at, you know, clubs or bars or what have you. Yeah. Do you think this... How has COVID and quarantining impacted pop music this year i don't even know if either of us have an answer to that but it's just something i've been thinking of that's a yeah interesting question i i think that tiktok and mm. uh like yeah just instagram stories and like things like that are probably the way that most people interact with music in some sort of like live setting mm-hmm. or you know like like Instead of like going out to a bar or something, um, yeah, I wonder if it is gonna. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're asking. Like, mm-hmm. will it be played to death now that like COVID has kind of affected like social gatherings? I want to say it'll probably like the new thing that'll kind of like uh, destroy these pop songs by being overplayed is like memes and uh, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's and that's fair. And I believe this album is, I think it's number one on Billboard right now anyway. So even if there is some sort of negative effect, it's not the biggest deal. But I think, you know, by the time we are able to go out and party again, are we just done with this album? Is it just going to be on to the new thing? Is there going to be any sort of period where 3435 is the most popular song at the club? I don't know. Um, But... Uh, that is an interesting question, though. Like, will the, there be this uh, period of time 
that we'll look back on uh, where there's just these forgotten pop hits uh, that people don't have like that many memories with because it wasn't playing. They weren't going out to like a bar and like hearing it played all the time. Right. And I think I may have mentioned this on the thank you next podcast we did. Um, And I'll just use the title track as an example. Like I like that song, but when I heard it at, a bar or a club or whatever, I was really into it. You know, I, I was singing along to it. Um, yeah, I right. think there the is context. Yeah, the the social element of pop music can't entirely be ignored. You know, I can say I like this album and I do, but I definitely prefer it in a a setting where it's more appropriate. Um, this is a, a great analysis. I, I did not even think about that, but that that's such a good thing to bring up. And it's not, um, like I said, it's not a criticism of the record or anything. Um, it's just something that came to mind and uh, something yeah. that I wish I could hear this song or, you know, this album, I suppose, at a at a club or a more appropriate setting other than my bedroom, yeah. you know? <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the issue. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see a, um, kind of a rise of, like, I know bedroom pop is already a thing, so I don't want to mm-hmm. use that, but, like, you get what I'm saying, like quarantine right. pop, like right. kind of more individual, like uh, a little more um, isolated sounding, things like that. Yeah, JSON could release the album of the life right now if she really wanted to. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess just in general, just kind of wrap up my thoughts here. Um, I love the instrumental shift uh, to, I guess, a, a string heavy approach. Um, but ultimately it ends up being a bit standard and safe uh, for the type of pop music that I typically love. That said, I'm kind of looking at this track list here, and just about every song here is um, good or solid, decent, you know. Um, Only a couple songs that I'm just generally out on, but uh, overall pretty decent pop record. Not one of my favorite pop records of the year or anything, but um, Ariana Grande fans are going to enjoy it. uh, six out of ten. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's a that's a pretty much exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll give my thoughts though. Um, you kind of nailed it, like in with most of the things that I have with this too. Um, I think that it's just played safe in a lot of ways and. It's kind of a thing where, like, I honestly expected it to be that way. So I ended up weirdly enjoying this album more than I thought I would because there's a couple tracks, like uh, the title track, especially. Like, I, I actually like really kind of love this track, and I have to give it some time, but it's a possibility it can make it up on its way to the uh, top of the year list. Honestly, there's some great songs on here, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was. I, I'm really like the more I listen to it, I'm like, man, that she nailed it with that. So there's that song, and then like the closeouts are, are like obvious, or um, even like yeah, thirty four, thirty five. We mentioned great songs. I, I think that there's mm-hmm. some really cool moments, but um, yeah, it just it just doesn't hold up with the amount that's on here. And um, yeah, I'm interested to see how her fans feel about it. I, I, like you said, I think that it pretty much is exactly what they want, but um, I think that other people could really like this too. I enjoy it, but I don't love it. So I'm at a six out of 10. Uh, 
as well. Yeah, very nice. Um, and as I alluded to, you know, critics weren't super positive on this. Um, and as far as comparing yeah. this to something like Thank You Next or Sweetener, I like all three of those records about the same, though this would probably be yeah. my, yeah, you know, like it, they're right around the same uh, rating for me. So maybe it's a step down, but I don't think it's a significant step down. So. Yeah, I tell you what, she, her and her title tracks, like, I mean, Thank You Next is an awesome song. Yep. This and Positions is an awesome, like, she just nails it with those uh, title tracks, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So shout out to uh, Ariana Grande, 6 out of 10 combined. Uh, we're on the same page there. Alphabetically speaking, we mm-hmm. are heading toward clipping, I suppose, correct? Yes. Well, it's lowercase, so it's not technically in. <laughs> not just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know the logic that gets us to there. I should have done it that way, where it was like alphabetical, <laughs> but clipping is last because My. it's a lowercase. I don't want to go to your library, man. That's all I got to say. Um, <laughs> we got the alphabetical by first name and then by capitalization. <laughs> Unbelievable. So yes, okay, clipping. Dewey Decimal Who. <laughs> so uh, shifting from Ariana Grande <laughs> over to clipping, a natural transition here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, clipping is an yeah, ex- as one does <laughs> as we do. Yes. Uh, clipping. Uh, they're an experimental hip hop group from Los Angeles. They're known for their noisy industrial approach to hip hop music. Um, harsh noise warning if you're listening to this record and while we're at it uh, content warning if you're listening to this record and possibly if you're listening to the next 20 minutes or so of this podcast Um, I'm not sure what we'll be talking about but there is some uh, you know there is some content on here that is a good call yeah yeah so um, visions of bodies being burned is clipping's fourth studio album it's a sister album to last year's record titled there existed an addiction to blood uh visions of bodies being burned currently has a metacritic rating of 78 out of 100 which is actually their highest score ever Uh, i was a bit surprised by that um Mm. i have a prediction that will somewhat spoil my opinion of this album i predict that this will be our album of the year um if you collectively if you combine our lists um to me this and the backwash record they seem like right up both of our alleys when you combine this sort of horror core noisy experimental approach to underground hip-hop music um so patrick do you like this album enough to the point where my prediction seems plausible yeah, I think you might be right, actually, When now right. that I think about it. Um, All right. Yeah, this one and Backwash probably have the best case, so mm-hmm. good job. All right. Yeah, I mean, this This is just... Um, that's your That's your uh, stats degree paying off right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, well-executed horrorcore hip-hop seems to be catnip for this podcast, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I really, really... Um, I think you could have called that I would have loved this, but shit. This yeah, is awesome. this, this is a fantastic fucking album. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, uh, harsh, noise, harsh noise warning for sure. Yes. And like to that, it's way harsher, honestly, than like I even expected it to be. Like they really amped it up with some of the power electronics and just heavy, harsh noise. I mean, like it's it's straight up 
like a Merzbau record at at some points. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to which that, I think is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, definitely in moments, but uh, to you know. To be fair, I guess, um, not always. Sometimes it's just super accessible, oddly. Uh, yeah, like it's, right. it's not just this noisy thing that art people, you know, enjoy. This is also just, uh, you know, this can actually be, some of this is actually genuinely catchy, and it strikes a nice balance between that. And I think the noise more so than anything is there to create this sort of tense, anxious, atmosphere that comes with this sort of Halloween horror trope theme that they're going for throughout the record. They do a fantastic job of uh, using imagery and creating that atmosphere throughout the entire project. It's so cohesive in that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I didn't mean to like scare anybody off. <laughs> right. But, but like, you're right. Too. This is a noise album. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like you're right, and it's also not. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's Mersbau blended with, um, I don't know, Deltron Thirty Three. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Yeah, like it's like it's a it's, yeah. it's a little campy, honestly, uh, at times. Yeah, but yeah, it's got the it's got those old school, um, very weird uh, storytelling hip hop elements to it. Uh, yeah, like uh, yes. Dr. Octagon or Deltron, like those kind of like very weird abstract stuff. But yeah, the the addition of the harsh noise and the really messed up subject matter and then just like the, you know, the, the David Diggs is just oh my ridiculous God. ability to just like flip flows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a perfect culmination of like horrorcore rap like mm-hmm. of what and uh and I, I think that like with this one and their last album there just uh, existed an addiction to blood um i think that clipping honestly like might be sort of pioneering a new yeah. like um a new coming of horrorcore you know what i mean because kind of went away since like I guess like ICP is probably which yeah. like this is so much better than ICP though. Let's not yeah. get it twisted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was saying like that's my frame of reference for it before, mm-hmm. and now this is like the new thing. So I'm wondering if they like in the underground hip hop world, um, these two albums are so good. I I'm wondering if they'll. Um, influence like a new rise in horrorcore rap yeah no that's a that's a great call and even if they don't they've carved out like a fantastic niche for themselves um they've always had this noisy approach to hip-hop music but it it wasn't more than that for a while like as much as i love their earlier work it was just kind of like oh yeah this is some noisy hip-hop horrorcore is such a fantastic lane for them because of the noise and their and the tension and the eeriness in their music, as well as, like you pointed out, um, Davi Diggs, his storytelling is fantastic. If you're just in it, in this hip-hop, you know, if you're a fan of traditional hip-hop, I guess, Davi Diggs is mm-hmm. honestly one of the best rappers of the past 10 years or so. Uh, he's got, mm-hmm. the flows are insane, the versatility his voice is fantastic. His 
enunciation yeah. is clear and crisp. Just from a pure technical standpoint, Davi Diggs is just one of the best. And you may know him from his role in the original Hamilton cast, in case you're like, who is this guy? Um, mm-hmm. But he is so good. <laughs> which is which is funny to like take that like and then if if you that's where you know him and you've never heard uh <laughs> this album especially like yeah and and i was the reverse where i heard about hamilton and i'm like wait dude from clipping is gonna be in this broadway musical and <laughs> that's funny yeah so it's it's great um and i you know i praise davi diggs and he's amazing on this album but i think the real takeaway is the production, which is just some of the best hip hop yeah. production I've heard in a long time, it's really that good. Yeah, it's it's pretty stellar. It's uh, it's got some of the just weirdest, oddest, just coolest um, instrumental m- moments that I've heard. Like ninety six Nev Campbell. Yes, um, it's just like freaking bonkers. Like with the uh, knock on the door and like the gasp and. Um, like just so weird and like it, it, it encompasses all of these aesthetics of like a campy slasher horror movie obviously because you know mm-hmm. the title gives it away um it, it, they're uh the i can't remember the producers names i can't um, either if they deserve more yeah. credit than you know i can't yeah, remember, I, know. I wish i did but <laughs> yeah i looked it up but then i, I didn't write it down anyway the producers um are just so good at creating this like um cinematic environment especially within like this horror genre um it's just so cool like and and, and that shows itself all the way throughout and they incorporate all these weird elements of like classic horror movies and like mm-hmm. the, the Debbie Diggs will even like say some lines and then, you know, paint a, a whole story arc and stuff. Um, the journey of this album and the cinematic nature of it is just bonkers. Like I, I really, really like um, how, how this all came together because I loved, well, I liked their existence in addiction to blood quite a bit mm-hmm. and I've liked it. Um, in some ways more, in some ways less, um, as, as it's gone on. And this one just capitalized on all of those elements, like to the next level. So yeah, I have very little, uh, about (laughs) honestly on this, on this album. I think that like at points, like David's rapping can get a little bit like hokey and, Mm. um, I don't know. His flows can get a little bit like sporadic to the point where you're like, what what is going on? Mm -hmm. But like, honestly, like that's kind of me nitpicking. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, they're, they're very subtle elements that I could look at like really closely and be like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not a huge fan of that, but um, everything just comes together so well that it's hard to find that many faults whenever you're listening through. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Like, you nailed it. Um, I love, like you said, you pointed out, like, a fantastic point. Just how cinematic this feels, the scope of this record. It's just, it feels like the audio equivalent of a horror movie. Um, Mm -hmm. So they get the scope right. They get the maximal part right. And then, like you also said, they get the the minutiae correct also. All of the small things. Um, 
the sort of creaky gate sounds on She Bad. It, like, those are great. Um, the ver- the intro, where it's just this, it sounds like someone is slowly yeah. approaching you and the steps are getting louder and louder. Um, it, so they get all of these small little, you use the word moments, and that's like what I what I love about the production. Because just the baseline of the production is fantastic start to finish. But it's all of these little quirks that they insert here and there and all these kind of bells and whistles that add to this creepy atmosphere it's just so brilliant um i'm like you i don't really have any significant complaints with this record um it's like i will say this though like this is not going to be for everybody but for what it's trying to do i think it's like damn near perfect um yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah if you're just like in general not into you know horror movies or horrorcore whatever i guess i could see why like this would be not your thing um and i thought again i I think that it's like it's just so cool it's just like it's so weird and different and it's just a yeah, yeah i find it very um very hard to see how anybody could wouldn't find like something that they like at least the whole album i could get why like you wouldn't get it as a mm-hmm. whole but or not <laughs> you wouldn't like it as a whole not get it right. um, <laughs> i get why you you don't get people it people don't like it because they don't get it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that is not the person i want to be right um, um you get what I'm saying, though. It's, yeah, it, it has it has like, you know, I, I don't want to use the classic IGN thing, something for everybody. Uh huh. Um, but it, it does have elements to this that are just undeniably weird and interesting, and I would be hard pressed to to hear somebody like really tear it apart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, I bring this up, I think, every time we talk about a, a record that I think is truly great, but it nails this cohesive yet varied balance that I like to look for um, in the music that I love. It nails this cohesion, this sort of aesthetic, this horrorcore atmosphere throughout the entire thing. But if you're the kind of guy who just wants to hear some rap music that slaps... Say the name mm-hmm. is for you. If you're more into yep. the the noisier elements, make them dead is terrifying. Like it's it's and yeah. it's really harsh. Um, if you're into something that really slaps, like it, ch- you know, check your speakers afterward. Uh, looking like meat is <laughs> fucking yeah. insane. Um, yeah, and then I mean, there's some peaceful moments too, like uh. The, the very, like the outro is just a, a field recording. Um, a song like Enlacing yeah. is super psychedelic and not really at all harsh, but it fits. It, it, it's, they nail, the, like every single song is good. Where is the bad yeah. song on this album? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, because it's so varied in nature too that it's, um, it's just it just feels like so expansive and um, it's yeah it's really hard to, to nitpick and and dislike this album you know even yeah. the inaccessible moments like like you said like the field recording um, 
are are done so well because it matches this narrative and that's actually something i really enjoyed on their last project too mm-hmm. um with piano burning where it's just literally 18 minutes, 18 minutes of piano yeah. burning mm-hmm. um like these two things are, 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 are like the way that they use that is is so interesting because it gives this cinematic element to the album even more uh depth because they're just at, they're literally adding in sound from nature and it's it, it adds this space for everything to kind of like sit in and mm-hmm. just just a such a fascinating they nailed it like I, i'm i'm so happy with this project yeah and i'm and it and it's like awesome that they've been doing this um like the week before Halloween. Yes. So like the past couple Halloweens, I, I have like really cool associations with these clipping albums. And um, I, I think it's really awesome. Yeah. It, it well said. And actually this wasn't intended to be released around Halloween. This was actually meant to be released just a few months after the previous record because they are sister albums, but the right. COVID pandemic delayed things. But I listened to this album for the first time on Halloween, um, and I just nice. remember driving around that night, like playing it. And I like I think I'll remember that for a while. It was just so yeah. perfect. Um, I mean, I could unfortunately, unfortunately, we have to kind of move on here. But I could keep going with just yeah. something Same underneath here. is a fantastic Davi Diggs showcase. <laughs> um, Nuts. Pain Every Day is the maybe the best fucking instrumental on the entire thing, how it knocks, and then there's the break beats, and then just when you think it's full, the synth comes in. Um, Eaten Alive is another... It's a super strange, peculiar, swampy yeah. song that is super experimental. Uh, shout out to Jeff Parker on that. Um, I, I really can't say enough good things about this record. Um, I'm not quite where you think I am, or you might think I am yet. I I can't give this a 10 yet, and it's not because of anything particularly negative about the record. I haven't fully, in my opinion, I haven't fully dived enough into the content and the references, um, Mm -hmm. and I honestly don't remember a ton from There Existed an Addiction to Blood. Um so, like, I listened to it a couple times, and I don't remember much from it. I don't know if I just wasn't in the mood, because if it's anywhere near as good as this, I was messing up. Um, but I feel like there's something I'm missing. It, like, I don't think I can go and say this is a 10, because I don't think I have the sort of ethos to say so. So I'm giving it, like, it's a easily a 9 album of the year contender, if not my number one album of the year so far. This album is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, 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 I really like your breakdown of it. Mm. Um, speaking to there existed an addiction to blood, um, I think that like it holds up really well against this album too. And the fact that their sister albums kind of elevates both of them, mm. in my opinion. But I do think that you're right that this one is the superior album, like by far. Um, even though I really like that, and I think that in conjunction with this, it just helps make it better. Exactly. Um, this one on its own is just like really, <laughs> I mean, it's just awesome. It's such an experience. Um, 
Yeah, dude, I, I think you're completely right that this is going to be our collective number one because the way you said, like, how you're, like, feel close to a 10 but not quite there is pretty much how I feel, too. Okay. Um, I think that, like, everything on here is just so extremely clever um, and well-executed and... You know, it, I think maybe given time, I might honestly be comfortable giving it a 10, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have this, like, immediate, like, um, this immediate impact that I generally am looking for, like, this no-brainer impact that I'm generally yeah. looking for when I say something's a 10 just after, like, a couple weeks. But, like, the fact that I've got that... Uh, possibility on the horizon should tell you how really really awesome this product is um yeah uh, like i said the production is just nuts i the harsh noise elements on here are my favorite Mm -hmm. and the way that it's incorporated and the amount that it's incorporated in here is just something that i i love i think is just really engaging and memorable and like adds just such like terrifying element to the whole project um and then the tracks uh, that are a little bit more accessible are just really fun and bouncy and have some campy elements to them too that i just think are really engaging um yeah awesome project nine out of ten yeah yeah awesome um and just a couple as, more. As I talk about it, I just get more excited. It's just it, it's so awesome. Yeah, I think I think you were onto something about the sort of immediate impact. Like when I heard Titanic Rising last year, I'm like, okay, this is a perfect record. You know, this doesn't necessarily yeah. have have that, but like you said, I think this could eventually be a ten for me. But I have to do some more. I have to dig deeper into this album and into the previous album, in my opinion. You know, I. I it would be like yeah. <laughs> calling Return of the King your favorite movie, but not remembering a ton about Fellowship of the Ring. You know, like it, so. There's some of that yeah. that I need to dig into. Which, speaking as a Lord of the Rings fan, people <laughs> will find out about you really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and last don't thing ask I'll ask any questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I don't want to come off as like a poser. You know. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. Last thing I'll say about the record before we move on. Um, this is cinematic, and so this is in a way like a movie. Um, and so I don't want to spoil a lot of what's on here. Like if you're interested at all, do listen to it. But as far as the content goes, yes, it's very referential to horror movies and horror tropes, but there are these like sociopolitical undertones throughout the entire record as well, which is fascinating. And it's kind of interesting yeah. to discover some of that as you listen. So, um, just thought I'd add that. So yeah, yeah, that's a whole element that we didn't even get to. Honestly, it's just like because <laughs> right, unfortunately, um, yeah, yeah, the style is so awesome, and then also, yeah, it's just so has so much depth to it. So yeah, so much depth, such a big album in that regard, and um, I mean, there's just so much to like. So yeah, visions of bodies being burned by clipping nine out of ten from both of us, uh, mm-hmm. album of the year contender, no doubt. So. Unfortunately, well, unfortunately and fortunately, let's move on to yeah. uh, Gorillas here. Um, let me do the timestamp real quick. So, Gorillas with Song Machine, Season One, mm-hmm. Strange Times. 
Um, <laughs> gorillas are a which I gotta say, it's real something. Quick, is yeah, <laughs> the most cumbersome <laughs> album title of the year. Yeah, and just to, the cherry on top is a strange times with a Z. Uh, that's just <laughs> gotta love it. Yeah, it's something. Um, gorillas are a virtual band fronted by Damon Albarn. Um, their music typically blends pop, hip hop, rock, and electronic music. Also, their albums typically feature a ton of guest appearances. Their seventh studio album, Song Machine, season one, Strange Times, is no exception to this pattern. It is a classic Gorillaz album in its foundation. Uh, Fans and critics seem to be enjoying it. It has a Metacritic rating of 81 out of 100, which is actually their highest score since their classic record, Demon Days, back in 2005. I'll call wow. that I'll call that a classic. I don't know if that's a hot take, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, it is a classic. Yeah. It, so yeah, this has a higher. Um, it, their past couple of records weren't fantastic, and I mean, yeah, we were particularly harsh on humans. Um, but I was surprised that this had an even higher score than, say, like Plastic Beach, with we which we both love. Um, so yeah, what did you think about Song Machine? Season one. Uh, I don't. Strange times. <laughs> I gotta wait. I gotta wait each time. <laughs> In between that, but that's the last time we're saying the title. It's, yes. Yeah. It's such a terrible. Title. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um. Yeah. Just call it strange times. That's so much better. Right. Yeah. Time. Come on. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um. I. I don't think it's as good as Plastic Beach, but right. Um, or Demon Days, but mm-hmm. this is a very, very welcome return from Gorillas. Totally agree. Um, yeah, yeah, it feels like it's been a really long time, and um, I, I like this album quite a bit. I don't like absolutely love it, but it's just so nice to like have like a Gorillas album and like back to back. You're hearing like really cool songs, and you know, there's not too much filler, like. There's some elements that you expect that are like, eh. But um, it's nice to like, because girls are just, when they make a great song, it's like so distinct and so memorable. And um, they really like, they really make some of the coolest uh, songs whenever they're great. Yeah. But a lot of times they make kind of just very average uh, electro pop kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, this one was really cool. Love that every single song has its feature too. Like, um, that's a cool thing. It's all. I, I think that this this is a very solid return. Ab- absolutely agree. It, this is just such a fun album, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, um, this is a Gorillaz album to me in the sense that obviously there's a ton of features. A couple of them kind of steal the show. Uh, this is a super, like you said, cool, a, a very cool album. Um, but it's also a gorillas record in that like the highs are the highest highs like yeah you could get but there are a couple of duds in my opinion and that's generally on every gorillas record there's like one or two songs that i'm like okay i could do without this one you know yeah well there's there's like usually a ton of tracks like i mean there's a bunch of tracks on this album too so mm-hmm. when you see like a 17 track album you're like all right i mean if every song on here is just awesome like it's one of the best albums ever made like, <laughs> right right and and that comes with the 
they make music that is intentionally super varied with distinct guests on different songs. Uh, sometimes on the same song. Sometimes you get Elton John and Black on the same song. Um, yeah, which like but, wow. Yeah, that's one of the the duds in my opinion. But uh, you know, <laughs> but the I mean, the guests for the most part I think are pretty great. Uh, Schoolboy Q is great. Um, I really like Robert Smith on here. Um, Slow Tie yeah. is like one of the most obvious gorillas artists. It, um, yeah, it, you know, in memory. Um, but it's really kind of the, I don't want to say for the most part, but there's a couple songs on here where I didn't recognize the features that end up being some of my favorite songs on here, like Aries featuring Peter Hook and Georgia. Um, this one's a total jam. It's super 80s. It's yeah. super chill. Um, it has that sort of aesthetic that took me back to Plastic Beach. Um, just an incredibly solid yeah. song. That song kind of reminds me um the guitar line, and it kind of reminds me of... Uh, Phoebe Bridgers, uh, oh. uh, guitar line, like from, uh, like Chinese satellite or something. Interesting. Okay. I'll have to, that I wasn't, don't know why, yeah. but every time I hear it, I'm like, I, I, I'm playing Phoebe Bridgers and <laughs> which is a good thing. I love Phoebe Bridgers, but yeah, I'll have to, um, I'll have to keep an eye out on that next time for yeah. sure. Um, Oh, speaking of, you mentioned something about 17 songs. Um, I do want to point this out right now, and I should have led with this. I did not listen to the deluxe version of this album. Um, oh yeah, I, I did it. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not reviewing it that way either. Okay. I just, you know, I, I'm just. They they do this where they put out a ton of yeah uh, of songs. Yeah. Right. I I actually love this album as an eleven song record you know i i stopped after momentary bliss and i can't speak on the six songs that come after that because um i haven't listened to them yet i intend to but for review purposes i tend to review just the uh the standard edition of the uh of the record um yeah no i yeah i i think that that's that's a good call um yeah speaking to like the features that i didn't recognize like mm -hmm. i think that honestly those are like my favorite like i love yeah. the robert smith feature um i <laughs> you know what i actually kind of like the black feature a lot yeah, i do too i actually don't like but, that song but i like the black yeah, feature yeah i think that there's too much elton john on it which like i yeah <laughs> i'm sorry to say it because I, he's a legend and i love him yeah um but but like i'm kind of like let's have, let's have elton play a supporting character and Black is such an interesting style. I I haven't really liked any of his uh, albums or anything. I mean, like I I haven't given him that that fair of a shot outside of just like giving the songs here and there a listen. He's got a very interesting style, and I think that it works really well for uh, for that track. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I was going to say though the uh, unknown features are i think some of my favorite elements to this which is uh kind of unexpected and also really cool because um it, this is something that i think gorillas has been really good at in the past at doing yes. is like kind of turning me on to other singers or other artists that like they're collaborating with that i didn't know about before and um that makes it just a really cool experience gorillas really 
like brought Del the Funky Homo Sapien to a whole new level of popularity. Yeah. Like he was just sort of this underground guy. Um, but I think a lot of like even mainstream listeners at least recognize his name. Um, so they always do a good job at that. Uh, to your point, I really, and I'm going to butcher this name to hell, um, but Fatumata Diawara on Desole, like yeah. that, that's a really mm-hmm. fun song. I mean, the lyrics are entirely in French. It's a six minute song, but it's just super fun. And now I'm probably going to check out some of her work. So, um, yeah, that's a fantastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I think that like on this too, like this, every song having a feature is just so Mm -hmm. good for gorillas because, um, a lot of my favorite tracks from gorillas are just their solo, like no features, um melancholy hill right that's i mean yeah it's just you know they have some amazing tracks but i think that when they get features like that's when they really work best because like sometimes sometimes gorillas tracks can kind of just go off the rails (laughs) yeah um when you don't have a feature to kind of balance things out and sometimes you have a feature where it doesn't work either but i think generally they work better with features than they on their own um, and I think that this really shows strength all the way throughout because for the most part, it's, it's really solid. There's just a couple moments like, um, uh, which is, what is the track? Um, uh, Chalk Tablet Towers, mm-hmm. St. Vincent. Vincent. Um, the Pink Phantom, like for the most part, besides the black feature, is kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those tracks, I, I, I'm not even like, I don't really dislike them, but I'm I'm just kind of like, eh, it seems like right, you know, didn't wasn't wasn't really necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It, it, to yeah. your point on the features, um, I feel like a lot of times the enjoyment of seeing features on a track list, like the joy, has kind of been taken out of that for me sometimes. Because um, I feel like mm. it's all just not all of it, but generally i feel like it's like financially motivated right where it's like oh you have drake on here you know yeah because you want it to get more streams and stuff like that um but gorillas keep alive the the anticipation of features like anytime i hear a new gorillas album's coming out i immediately look to see who's collaborating because i i think they always get something interesting out of every artist they bring on um I mean, like, St. Vincent fits here, but this isn't a song you would hear yeah. necessarily on her record, um, but she fits well. Uh, but like you said, um, there are a lot of highlights that we've discussed. I mean, I love I love the Lost Chord. I love Pac-Man. Um, but yeah. toward the middle, like you said, there's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of out on Pink Phantom. I'm definitely out on Friday the 13th. That one didn't work for me. Uh, Dead Butterflies yeah. is okay. I think Kano sounds great, but the song is just all right overall. So it's a little con- inconsistent, but when it's good, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with you on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did not care for this album that much when I first heard it. It's actually oh, grown on me quite a bit. Okay. Um, I think that a part of it, like I, I really liked... Um, some elements of it that like, Pac-Man is just such a cool song. <laughs> uh, the Lost Chord, I, I think yes. that one immediately, I was like, oof, this is really cool. Um, 
but like Valley of the Pagans, I didn't really care for that much. Hmm. Um, Friday the 13th. I actually like Valley of the Pagans more now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that part of it though is the structuring of this album. Since they are all songs that were kind of collaborated with um, and released like as singles month after month yeah throughout the year kind of has some inconsistencies there um and i think that it was it was jarring at first to hear it kind of just like one track going into another that sounds completely different but in a way that's like it, it's it's not like totally cohesive yeah now definitely that I've not used to it, it now that i've gotten used to it, it makes sense but I was also kind of missing this uh, gorilla's narrative mm-hmm. that they have done in the past, and um, but I, I don't think it's too much of an issue now. I think that after listening to how fun a lot of the tracks are and how cool a lot of the instrumentation is, like I've gotten over it. But it did take me a second, so I could see that being an element that might turn off some people from it. But I think in general, people are pretty happy. Yeah, this is it's almost too varied for its own good at some times. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of, it throws cohesion almost out the window entirely, but I mean, to that, yeah. you're probably going to find at least one song that you're super into on this album because of that. Um, and that's been kind of gorillas MO since day one. Uh, I mean, they've never really been like a super cohesive band but that's a lot of the appeal for people too is the insane amount of it feels like a party i guess where you're just inviting a bunch of guests on and everyone's having fun um that was literally the concept of humans i think right yeah it was like an apocalyptic party it was like the last days are coming so we're going to celebrate and um yeah um then yeah, it became it didn't like work there, but it works here. <laughs> right, it became the uh, an audio equivalent of the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but you know, um, yeah, yeah. I, unfortunately, I didn't, uh, I didn't listen to because I wanted to save it for the full album. So after Momentary Bliss mm-hmm. came out, I stopped checking out the singles. Um, Same here. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I figured that they were gonna compile them all and. Um, and like once, yeah, whenever they did that, like I, I was like, I don't want to like spoil the album throughout the year, but part of me wishes I would have done that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Because it feels like it was actually the way that the album was meant to be listened to. Mm-hmm. It's like, so Kanye's I feel like Good Fridays. I was like, damn it, I kind of missed out on uh, <laughs> a key element of this. Right, like, I, I definitely remember Kanye West Good Fridays, and, like, every week looking forward yeah. to the new, like, I think that was the way that was intended to be experienced. Um, and if yeah. he made and, an album of that, that kind of would have been a little weird, so. Um, yeah, and thinking about it, too, it's like, that's part of, uh, or that's most of the, I mean, the songs on Good Friday are awesome, too, but that's yeah. most of the attractive element of it is just, like, mm-hmm. this uh, really interesting way of releasing an album where you're getting people excited and releasing it just piece by piece. Um, that's that's part of the element that's so great about Good Friday. So with this one, I'm kind of like, oh, man, I feel, in a way, my criticisms are invalid because I didn't experience it the way I was supposed to. That's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, 
And to that, if it was released as just a regular album, you know, with one or two singles going into it, you know, maybe we wouldn't think it was as special as people seem to think it is. Um, But maybe we can take that approach during um, Song Machine Season 2, Stranger (laughs) Times. So, <laughs> oh, I hope so. And, and they got to keep the the Z on there as well. Yeah, electric boogaloo. Exactly right. Um, so yeah, uh, we got to move on to uh, our last record of the night. But uh, you know, this is a fun album. I'm like dancing to a lot of this record. You know, that it's just it's it puts me in a really good mood most of the time. Um, there's a couple duds, but uh, man, yeah, return to form, um, like you said. So. Well done, gorillas and guests. Uh, all the guests, good job. Uh, eight out of ten. Like it's, I think it's great. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I like all the guests. So all many guests. Everything. Can't thank yeah. everybody in the Oscar acceptance speech, but there's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, nice, solid. Um, yeah, I think that I think that this album is really cool. I'm glad that gorillas are releasing stuff that is listenable again and not boring <laughs> jesus uh, very low bar to jump over <laughs> they haven't been that bad i was I, gonna I'm, say that's a little too harsh I yeah but now now was like boring but it wasn't horrible and humans was very ill-conceived but right there's some good elements to it too. for sure so I, i'm being too harsh but <laughs> this one is definitely better than um, those two albums mm-hmm. and um it's just nice to like have some memorable moments with gorillas again so yeah that's basically all i have to say also um it's not perfect by any means either so that's why my score is the way it is but i think it's a seven out of ten. Ooh, our first uh, disagreement of the night okay you're a yeah, really we're really throwing blows <laughs> yeah <laughs> seven out of ten man you're pretty down on it um so that puts <laughs> That puts us at a, a seven and a half out of ten for Gorillas uh, Song Machine, season one, Strange Times record. Um, so let's move on to our. The only reason we had to move on because we were short on time was because you said the title like ten times. I said the title how it was written. Um, maybe they should have had <laughs> yeah. a better title. So, um, in another title that i'm not super in love with uh the new record from uh 10 tricks point never titled magic 10 tricks point never um daniel lopez yeah sorry (laughs) Um, doesn't mean anything it's i don't know yeah it's not my favorite um he could have just called it magic and i would have been okay with that but i don't get why (laughs) um so so weird um, so yeah, uh, Daniel Lopatin, better known as One O Tricks Point Never, um, is an experimental electronic musician from Brooklyn. Uh, Magic One O Tricks Point Never is his ninth studio album, and it currently has a Metacritic rating of eighty-two out of a hundred. Patrick specifically is a huge fan of One O Tricks Point Never's work. I guess to be even more specific. Uh, Stuff like Replica, R Plus 7, maybe some Garden of Delete. I don't know how familiar you are with his work with the Safdie Brothers, his soundtracks for Good Time and uh, Uncut Mm -hmm. Gems, but uh, you may know him from that. So uh, I'm I'm a fan of his as well, at least from what I've heard. 
uh, mostly his earlier work that has been adored by critics. Um, but this is this is one of your guys, so uh, I'm excited to hear yeah. your thoughts. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, um, I was glad when you uh, asked to talk about it because I haven't really talked about One Hundred Tricks Point Never. We haven't to that much of an extent, besides like my decade list. Spoiler right. alert: one of them is on there. We haven't you covered just, them. You gotta all go time. and look to figure out which one it is. Ooh, nice tease, nice tease, and it's yeah. pretty high <laughs> on there. So. Whichever one it yeah. is, it's it's quite a take. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was excited because I, I I love Daniel Opatin. This uh, Opian is just an awesome project, and it's so cool to see how far he's gone mm-hmm. um, from like just doing like this weird plunder phonics project with replica, like back in the early two thousand tens, like. He's playing on Jimmy Fallon. He's like scoring uncut gems, and like he's doing like stuff with the weekend and stuff. Like he's he's really kind of becoming a weird like household name in in production. I was going to say that too. I have friends that aren't normally into indie music, but are like super into OPN now. You know, I think the uncut gems thing was a a big boost in his popularity. So, which. Is great because I mean it's a great soundtrack. I, I think that it's so cool, like the touches that he brings to film and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just so weird, like that. OPN is the the project, the group that <laughs> that yeah. blew up out of the underground. Like I, I would not have called called that at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, speaking to that. This project, I think, is really solid, and I think that it br- it incorporates all of these elements um, that have kind of brought him to where he is now. Yeah, um, stylistically, so it, it borrows some elements of, of from early, back in the early days of replica and riffs, and um, brings in some like very strange glitchiness of R plus seven. Um, and it just kind of, and like age of like these like really like kind of baroque. Um, string instruments and stuff kind of like encapsulates all of his uh, stylistic choices and brings them into a, a a very refined way on this project. It's like a really cool reflection of his career um, up until this point. I, I feel like this album is uh, Daniel Lopetin kind of like um, definitely branching off a little bit from what he's done in the past, but kind of like celebrating uh, where he's gotten to Mm -hmm. um, basically. Um, And and I like it. I think that this is a really beautiful project in a lot of ways. It's a very catchy project, weirdly Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And um, I think that it's overall just, uh, yeah, it it, it remains interesting and it, it just kind of, promises a very bright future for whatever else you know daniel lopatin's gonna do yeah great points all around and uh i think to your point one of your points at least i think maybe that's why this record is self-titled or partially self-titled um because it is kind of like everything that he is um like stylistically it's like you said he's pulling from different inspirations he's had in the past as well as adding uh, some newer inspirations to 
fully distinguish this album from his previous works. Um, I not only wanted to talk about this record because we haven't talked about One Oh Tricks Point Never on the podcast, but also because I really like this project. I think it's really good. Um, I think a big takeaway for me is, um, like you said, it's maybe... I don't know if you said it's maybe his most accessible project, but I'll say that. Like, it might be his most accessible project. Um, I think between this and Age of, yeah. Yes. Those, like, these, this one is arguably more accessible. So, yeah. And I think part of that is um, more vocals than I expected, Um, especially Mm -hmm. from the couple of guests we get on here, like The Weeknd and Arca. Uh, Caroline Polacek is on here. Uh, mm-hmm. is super super interesting. Um, my other takeaway is uh, this dichotomy between this sort of glitchy robotic, you know what we typically think of as like experimental electronic music, blended with a genuine magic and beauty and just a general cleanliness and serenity. Um, there's like a nice tug of war between those two styles that blends pretty well on the record. Um, and it makes this record exciting, uh, because you don't really know what's coming next. This record gets a lot of points for just sheer intrigue. Um, if I'm going to criticize the Ariana Grande record for being a little bland, I'm going to credit this record for being consistently interesting and captivating. Yeah, that's yeah. That that is a great point. Yeah, the, the um, it definitely r- remains accessible, but it like doesn't ever get bland at any point. Um, right. That's. I think that just speaks to how like strange and interesting of a producer Daniel Lopatin is, because um, he can have like the weekend very poppy, accessible. Um, pop artist mm-hmm. on one of his tracks um, and create something that's very listenable to anybody. Um, but then like switch it around and do some very strange, weird like sampling and um, just like add a lot of texture and perspective to um, this like catchiness of the album that still keeps it captivating. So yeah, yeah I, I think that, I think that is just a, a very nice project. I mean, I think that like there, are, like some of the interludes are feel like slightly unnecessary to some extent. And like this is one thing with OPN in the past too that like I, I'm a huge fan, obviously. But this is something that like has troubled me for a little while. It's just like experimentation for the sake of it in mm. some ways, mm. and. Or maybe not even experimentation, but basically just an overload of sound. Yeah, like um, bells and whistles, maybe. Yeah, yeah, to the point where it's like, um, it sounds like there's just things being thrown in because they sound good. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts to become a little too much. Honestly, like, even that is, like, not that bad. It's just something that, like, I, it, it's not so, like, annoying or... Um, consistent on the project that it makes anything like bad it's just mm. something that i've noticed in the past and still bothers me to some extent now that um but i think that it, it is pretty small potatoes in comparison with how interesting 
and uh, distinct this project is overall. Yeah, he uh, he described the song specifically. He described the song "I Don't Love Me Anymore" as a song that was Frankenstein'd together. You know, just kind of taking these separate, disparate pieces and kind of forming it all yeah. together. And I think you could say that about just about any song on this record. Um, and that's sort of a double-edged sword, because on one hand, what you're saying, it, it can get a little too noisy, and not like harsh noisy, but, you know, just, whoa, why did we add this, you know? Um, but on the other hand, I yeah. think that's part of what makes it interesting to me, is there are there is a lot going on, and there's a lot to kind of pick apart, and that's yeah fun for me to do as as a listener um yeah Yeah, it it's some of the uh i mean it's something that he's done that just has made for such an interesting way to make electronic music because it it adds so much depth Mm -hmm. and weirdness um and texture to a project um Mm -hmm. just like all these weird vocal samplings and like the way that he just, yeah, like basically collages sounds together is, it, it does add just this new perspective on electronic music that I have always found refreshing. But yeah, like you said, it, it can it can be a little bit ham-fisted to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I think for the most part on this project, like those elements are pretty few and far between. Like I really enjoy most of the tracks back to back to back on this project quite a bit. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Um, I think this record reminds me of uh, Cosmogramma a little bit just because there's a lot going yeah. on and it takes a bunch of unexpected turns. Um, I much, I, I not much prefer, I definitely prefer Cosmogramma. Um, I think this is a great record, but um, th- that's kind of the, I guess it's going back to some of his plunder phonic roots, I suppose, where it's just a bunch of, yeah, but distinct elements being thrown together in this sort of uh, crock pot of whatever you want to call yeah, this. Yeah, so yeah, um, that's a good that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. O- overall, I, uh, I mean, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. Um, there aren't really like tracks that I think are particularly awesome or awful. I don't even know if that's the kind of vibe this is going for i think it's more of a you know you sit down from the beginning of the record to the end of the record and you listen to it in its entirety like i think that's kind of more so what it's going for um yeah but uh there's a lot of interesting moments on here there's some guitar solos here and there that i didn't expect uh like the vocal features like we mentioned um it it keeps me on my toes so this is something that, like, I, like we've been seeing Daniel Lopatin do, like, over the past few years, like, working with the Safdie Bros and then working with The Weeknd especially is kind of borderlining and then jumping into, like, pop, like, a little bit more of just accessible, like, rock uh, styles, 80s styles kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he, like, really... I really like seeing him do more of that. Um, mm-hmm. It was like it was strange to hear his take on, like on the Weekends album this year, his take on like pop music, and um, it was a little weird to hear it. But it was like he, he has such a distinct style that it just is really cool. Um, and I think that incorporating that 
in a way that's a little bit more very much like uh, OPN style instead of weekend style mm-hmm. on here is uh, it's really cool. I, I think that it just I, I think that OPN has done such a good job of committing to an aesthetic, even if like I haven't really cared for it that much just committing to an aesthetic like um, for each project. And I think that this sort of um, culmination aesthetic, I guess is what I would call it, of yeah. all of these different styles over the years, really works well for the most part here. And it's just, uh, it's. I, I think that this is an oddly, like, I think it's a, a bit of a emotional album in some ways for me. Mm. Because I think that I'm ha- I have this like, um, this perspective of like listening to OPN back in like 2011, 2012 and hearing Sleep Dealer for the first time and being like, what the heck is this? <laughs> you know, like thinking just it was yeah. so cool and like being like, you know, it, it just, it was just so cool. Um, and I think that this one really feels like uh, end of an era kind of thing. Not that like, you know, Opian's dad or Daniel Lopatin is done with music, not by any, it's like he's arguably looking at a more fruitful future than ever before. Um, but I think that it's just kind of like, this is the end of like underground OPN. And yeah. uh, the way that this is summed up and, and more of a, it's giving some poppy moments, uh, some very accessible, cool like moments where they got like, yeah, the weekend and just like I, I think that that's really cool. They're bringing that in, and then they're also doing some of like this fan service a little bit of like we're still like uh, incorporating these experimental moments. It, it feels like just a send off kind of, you know what I mean, into like a bigger, uh, more well known atmosphere. I, I don't know. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense. Yeah. No. For sure. Um... Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I'm fascinated to see like how popular he becomes and what happens yeah. from here. Like, I feel like this is a breakthrough in a bunch of ways. Um, even if yeah. it's not even and, close to like his most well-reviewed project, you know, this is maybe like his fourth <laughs> best-reviewed right. project. But now it's he's kind of breaking it. Not the the full mainstream per se, but. You know, like mainstream as far as indie goes, I suppose. Um, yeah, and not like Replica when it came out, and when I first heard it was like this this super unknown Bandcamp project. Like I, I heard it for the first time because it's recommended to me on YouTube. So it's like, mm-hmm. and and I think at that point it was one of those like you got to hear this guy like those kind of things. Um, but I, I'm just saying, I think from a fan perspective, it's just like it's very weird to see how big. OPN has become and it's uh it just it feels really cool this is one of the first times I feel like I've had an artist um that like if I would if I said like back in 2011 <laughs> yeah hey just to somebody hey have you heard of one of tricks point never they'd be like what the hell is wrong with you right <laughs> to to be able to say that now and they maybe know what I'm talking about is a very weird and cool thing and I think that you know, he's one of the first artists that I feel like I've seen uh, kind of break into that. And uh, this is a really cool album uh, aesthetically to match up with that, basically. Yeah, no, that's 
That's really good. It, once Billy Woods breaks into the mainstream, that's how I'm going to feel. <laughs> uh, he's so yeah, close. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just kind of wrap up here. Um, this record, it stands out among other like electronic records I've heard this year, in part because there is some, I think there's some depth to it and some variety that I don't get with a lot of uh, electronic records that I have enjoyed this year, but um, this one stands out um, in part because I think this album is really interesting, and in part because Daniel Lopinton, he he just knows what he's doing at this point. Uh, I think this is great. Um, 8 out of 10. Not like the highest 8 out of 10 of all time, but I think it's really good. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, why do you like it that much? Yeah, I will say uh, Tales from the Trash Stratum is not only a fantastic name for a song, but it it was going to be the title of my autobiography, but he took it. So now, <laughs> now I got to think of a different one. Damn, he once again Daniel Lopatin ahead of the curve. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't hate that. No, yeah, no, that that is funny. Some of the, yeah, some of the the track titles are just like wow. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, great. It's so good. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, it's like it, it's it's the same as the album title or just right. the group. Like, what the hell is one of explain never? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> very good at doing these very surreal kind of uh, aesthetics all the way throughout. Can he be truly mainstream ever? Just given that his name is One Otrix Point Never, like, is that just gonna hold him back? Yeah, they forever? gotta start calling him Daniel Lopez in there. Yeah, <laughs> like at some point you kind of have to, or call yourself OPN. You know, you, you kind of have to. Dude, if, seeing Jimmy Fallon. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I can't imagine. Point Never. It's just. The weirdest thing. It's just like, this does not make any sense. And here's one of Tricks Point Never. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, your final thoughts, I think, is where we were at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. I got lost there. Um, yeah, anyway, I think that this is a very weird uh, thing. Uh, like I said, just seeing how big that what a tricks point ever has gotten but i think it's really awesome i think it's cool i think that this album encapsulates those feelings really well and shows a journey that um this project has gone through for the past uh decade and decade and more um i think that there's like yeah there are things to complain about it's not perfect um by any means but like I think that it's just a, a really great culmination of a lot of sounds that I've loved in the past of his, a lot of sounds that I think are interesting now that he's doing. Um, it, it's just, it, it's really nice and solid. Mm -hmm. It's basically all I can say about it. And the album art is like fan-freaking-tastic. <laughs> I, love, I, I love it. At first I was like, whoa, this is a little bit much, but... I'm like a huge fan of it now too. So the overall aesthetics of One on Tricks Point Never remain super stellar. I, I think that it's just a lot of fun, and I'm glad that people are more people are getting this on their radar. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm a very solid eight out of ten as well. Very nice. We uh, we didn't disagree a whole lot except for that huge gorillas disagreement we had. 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, come on, as gorillas, we always we always have something to say. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, yeah, just to recap, uh, Ariana Grande positions, uh, we gave it a 6 out of 10. Clipping, visions of bodies being burned, we gave it a 9 out of 10. Um, gorillas with song machine. <laughs> Season 1. Sorry, I was taking a drink. <laughs> Strange Times, we gave it a 7.5 out of 10. And uh, 10 Tricks Point Never with Magic, 10 Tricks Point Never, uh, eight, 8 out of 10. So, uh, we got the two, like, worst, worst to say album titles. Just back the worst. To back. Yeah, I'm just calling it Magic OPN from here on out. Um, great collection of albums, I would say. Uh, awesome, awesome works yeah. in general. Uh, Really enjoyable to talk about we these. Definitely recommend uh, any of these products. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, to varying degrees. I mean, we have a, you know, from a record we both like in positions to a record we both consider album of the year candidate in uh, Visions of Bodies Being Burned. Um, we recommend all of these. And um, thank you for uh, joining me to talk about these albums, Patrick. Yeah. And this, is, this is a lot of fun. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and thank you all for listening. Um, we are excited to now transition to some of our end-of-year coverage. Um, the Scopey Awards are coming up. Uh, don't worry, this, this award show is going to be socially distanced. You know, We're not going to bring the artists out to the award show this year. Um, yeah. It's just going to be the two of us chatting, but... Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but it, we, it, we have to make the sacrifice. To, that's exactly right. To keep everybody safe. Absolutely. Uh, you know, stay safe, wear a mask, wash your hands. And um, yeah, we look forward to that award show. And then we look forward to our top songs of the year podcast shortly after that. And shortly after that, our Twitter feeds will uh, have our 50 favorite albums of the year, which we're excited about. Um so yes, we're transitioning to Twitter for our album of the year coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, in a sense, retiring the underthescopesite.wordpress.com location. Though you can always go to that site to check out our previous album of the year coverages over the past few years. Um, yeah, anything you want to say before yeah. we uh, head out? I'm excited to... Uh write up all of these 2020 listens this has been like one of the i mean obviously one of the weirdest years in general yeah <laughs> but like it's also been just like a really interesting strange cool year for music mm-hmm. um and i think that like yeah it's just going to be a blast i think that yeah if you like listening to us um just go follow us on twitter at least for the <laughs> the holiday season i guess and yes. you can unfollow us afterwards if you want i guess <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like my twitter yeah yeah um but yeah check that out and i think that um definitely like uh feel free to comment about like your favorite albums too absolutely and, um i'm just excited to see lists of uh, lists come out and see your list will and like mm-hmm. just yeah yeah, list season's a fantastic time, man. Uh, we we like making lists because we like reading lists. We like uh, seeing people's opinions. So, um, yeah. So yeah, that'll that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.
Bye.